0: Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're going to talk about housing in Utah today. Here are some headlines from the past several months. How tight is Utah's housing market? Some buyers are offering $100,000 over asking. Hyper, hyper competitive. Salt Lake area housing market is white hot, but are Californians to blame? What's driving Utah's housing crisis? It's not what you think, says Economist. Housing affordability in Utah entering perilous territory, study says, and pandemic has supercharged Utah's housing market. Today we're going to be talking with Christina Oliver, Director of the Housing and Community Development Division in the Utah Department of Workforce Services. And we welcome in Christina Oliver. Thank, well, thanks and welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Jim Wood is Ivory Boyer Senior Fellow at the Chem C. Gardner Institute. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And Francisca Blanc is Advocacy and Outreach Coordinator with the Utah Housing Co- Coalition. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, so uh, I think my favorite uh, part of a story, I think this was even from last year. This is Alicia Holloway uh, uh, Holdaway, rather, president of the Salt Lake uh, Board of Realtors, Utah. And this is the simple quote, June and July were frankly nuts, she said, um, and so a lot of factors here um, uh, we hear of sky high prices, uh, hyper competitive uh, uh, you know just fighting for apartments and for uh, homes um, and let me start uh, with Christina Oliver what are you seeing are we still seeing white hot uh, housing market and uh, and what's what's got you most interested most uh, troubled I guess uh, the problems here?
2: Yeah well we are certainly still seeing, quite the hot market. Houses are on the market for, it seems like, less than 30 days. Everywhere you look, there are some markets in Utah, generally speaking, that are a little less competitive. But along the Wasatch Front, it's still extremely competitive. And it does have us worried about the, the number of homes and the price of homes that are available to our graduating college students, uh, to young families. House prices are extremely high, and the income needed to support those households without being extremely cost-burdened is is significant. Now We're still seeing that.
0: Jim Wood uh, with the Kempsey Gardner Institutes. Uh, I know this dude's put out uh, some studies. We'll get into that. Uh, but just an overall uh, view, I, I think one thing that struck me, and I'm not sure exactly where this is occurring, the past several months. One uh, realtor association member said uh, the usual inventory, general Salt Lake uh, City area, is in the was in the thousands and at this point the inventory was at 600 or something uh so overall uh, jim wood uh, what's got you most uh, interested worried about the the current housing situation
3: well uh two things one affordability uh, the declining affordability of housing and secondly and, and related uh of course is the shortage we do have a shortage of housing uh i've studied the local housing market for a number of years and uh in past cycles, um, we've had run ups in housing prices. Utah's prone to volatile housing prices um are a high growth state and that happens. Um, but uh this is uh different than past cycles uh because it's so comprehensive in terms of product type, apartments as well as um, owner occupied, there's a shortage and it's statewide. Um that's that's unique uh, and uh, unusual. O- other cycles haven't had uh, those two features. and uh, you know so it's it's really um, as Christina said, it, it's about cost and it's and uh, the shortage.
0: And uh, Francisca Blanc with the Utah Housing Coalition, uh, what's got you most worried? Uh, what are you focusing on with this uh, housing situation?
1: Well, what more is that, besides what Dr. Wood mentioned, um, as well as Christina, is that um, we do have um, a lot of multifamily getting built, but it is not affordable. And um, just to put some things in perspective, uh, last year in the national paper, um, they looked at the uh, rates of uh, rental across the years. And... There has been a fluctuation and of, you know, increasing or decreasing by probably 5%. But uh, between last year and this year, there has been a 20% increase in rental uh, costs, which is, you know, kind of, it is truly unheard of. And what is concerning us is that, um, you know, what's happening in the home ownership has uh, an effect in rental housing because, you um, you know a lot of property owners um, are terminating uh, leases, and what they do they're increasing their rent by two three four hundred dollars and for a lot of our workers, that is not um, you know affordable it's really pushing them to the edge
0: we We're hearing a lot about uh, the you know the rent moratorium um, I think that's Due to come to an end, I'm, I'm not sure, coming up here, is, is that still needed? Is, is that a, a need in Utah?
1: So it's actually it's a, a moratorium, and it was instated by CDC last year in September 2020 uh, because of the fear of, you know, having mass evictions for non-peminine and we're going to increase the cost of COVID. Um, we in Utah, we really we want to push, you know, Property owners and renters to access the rental assistance, the emergency rental assistance that is uh, available, and uh, I will let uh, Christina um, kind of um, explain that a little bit further. And um, you know, evictions for not paying rent happen even with the moratorium in place. Um, it was not a complete ban on on evictions, and um, one trend that took place is that. Renters have received a termination of, of lease and they really did not have a place to stay and they remain in the property, and that resulted in crippled debt for them.
0: Mm. So. Yes, Christina Oliver with uh, Utah Department of Workforce Services. Uh, tell us about rental assistance. That's, uh, I guess, the a focus that's available.
2: Yes, absolutely. So in March of 2021, we received an allocation of just over $215 million statewide. As of today, we've um, issued approximately $46 million of rental payments. We do cover past due rental payments, uh, fees. We will work with you on utilities to ensure that households stay uh, housed, quite frankly, and we can pay up to 15 months if you're income eligible One of the items I do want to touch on that Francisca brought up was when folks do get an eviction for other reasons besides um, assistance, rental assistance payment, it is difficult for those tenants to find a new place to live that they can afford in a short amount of time. So as Francisca mentioned, uh, some folks will stay in their apartments for three, four, five days trying to get through the application process and move into another apartment, which is very difficult. So our priority is making sure that the tenants don't get to that place. So our outreach efforts have been really focused on um, social media, on YouTube. You can click on any YouTube uh, uh, snippet, and chances are our little banner will pop up on the right side of your screen. But now we're also going to move into a grassroots effort. We've met with a lot of lo- uh, smaller landlords who have let us know that they don't know about the program still. So we're working with a variety of uh, government partners, and we are going old school. We are uh, mailing out postcards to all of the landlords who own a duplex property or above in the state of Utah. And we're trying to get landlords to not only apply for their tenants, but help their tenants apply if they are being asked by their tenants to do so.
0: Jim Wood, uh, again, uh, remind you, he's the Ivory Boyer a Senior Fellow at the Kempsey Gardner Institute. Um, what's driving this? We, we talked about we're focusing on problems. We'll get into some solutions later on. The Gardner Institute has put out some uh, potential solutions. Uh, but uh, I'd like you maybe to go into uh, what is driving this white-hot market and, and uh, some of the things we're seeing.
3: Well, um Utah is in a period of really uh, rapid growth, and from 2010 to 2020, both in terms of rate of increase, demographically and employment growth and employment, uh, Utah leads the country. Um, so, when you're leading the country in population growth rate and employment growth rate, uh, it's almost inevitable you're going to put pressure on. Uh, the markets and uh, whether that's education or transportation or housing um, you're going to see uh, really a, a push for um, uh, higher housing prices and uh, higher rental rates um, so um, you know that's really um, at the I think at the core level of what's going on is is our very rapid growth. Just for example, on um, employment growth, from 2010 to 2020, employment in Utah increased by 350,000 jobs. Uh, that's a 30 percent increase. Okay, but we're a, a mid-sized state, so the smaller you are, you can rack up, uh, you know, high increases. Uh, in percent change. Uh, But if you look at the absolute change, that 350,000 increase in jobs ranks 10th among all states, and our size, our labor market, ranks 30th. So we have far outperformed our size, and uh, we have higher um, more job growth than, say, Oregon or many of the um, upper m- Midwest states, Pennsylvania, Ohio, uh, Indiana. Um, so uh, it's really disproportionate growth, and it's a challenge. Uh, it provides opportunities, um, uh, but there's a, a downside uh, to, to that, and it, it is uh, that growth and and it's what's going on with the infrastructure and housing prices. So it starts there and then you've got uh uh we've got supply chain uh problems and that's national. Um, we've got uh, high cost of land and uh um, we also have a labor shortage in Utah. Our uh, unemployment rate is down to 2.6%. Uh we're one of I haven't looked at the most recent numbers, but we Uh, uh, last month, a month ago, I think we were third lowest in the country uh, in uh, the unemployment rate, which is a signal of a labor shortage. Um, And then another factor is um, and you'll hear this from any developer or builder, is difficulties at the local level getting approvals and the cost of approvals and the time delays for approvals for new projects, whether they're owner-occupied single-family homes or, or apartments. So there's a number of factors at play, um, but uh, you start with our rapid rate of growth.
0: Uh, follow-up question. Um, I hear anecdotally, and you know, I'm reading some, about all the Californians heading east. I read one story that, uh, I don't know what the time period was, 300,000 Californians leaving, and as the story said, they're not heading west. Um, how much is that? And I guess not only Californians, but others, uh, freed up uh, with with latest economy and uh, doing their job online. They couldn't head anywhere they want, and I assume some of those are coming to Utah.
3: Well, um, we don't really know. Uh, there's plenty of anecdotes out there from uh, realtors um, and developers about, uh, particularly in, say, areas like Summit County. I've heard uh, anecdotes of uh, they've had a lot of uh, um, out-of-staters moving in, um, and uh, some of them are working remote. Um, so, uh, and, and I've heard <laughs> all the way from... Uh, and this is unsolicited from the real estate community out in the basin in Roosevelt, uh, down to Kanab, to, it's across the state, I hear anecdotes. problem with anecdotes is um, it's, it's uh, oftentimes uh, those anecdotes accumulate to some exa- exaggerated, I think, level of activity. Now, our, our projection from the state office on uh, net in migration it's running pretty constant at around twenty thousand individuals uh, annually so um, as far as the demographers who do that sort of work um, uh... they haven't uh... uh factored in a uh, a big bump for californians coming to utah but But again, uh, you know, the the anecdotes were pretty powerful, but um, uh, I'm a little suspicious of of, uh, anecdotes to make generalized statements. But, um, you know, there's... um uh, there's some of that going on, and I know I was up in Idaho a little uh, a couple of months ago and they had, they had a sign in uh, uh, one of the the small communities welcome to california east uh, <laughs> and so it, it's just not utah it's, it's uh, uh at least people think that's happening, so
0: yeah, at the very least people are thinking that's happening yeah yeah, uh,
3: yeah we just um uh, we tried to get uh, numbers from the uh um, utahrealestate.com, uh, where um, they have documentation of, of sales, of course, and, and we'd like to know, okay, where are you coming from? And uh, just to include that in the sales documentation, but uh, it violated some privacy and confidentiality, so we, that would have given us the, the answer. Um, um, and, you know, you could look at some IRS records, um and uh, find out where people are coming from or a driver's license. But we haven't moved to that yet. Uh, of people, you know, moving in and uh, um, they they get a Utah driver's license and you can track where they're coming from, which license they had prior. So, But that hasn't been done yet.
0: Let me turn to Francisca Blanc again, again with uh, Advocacy and Outreach Coordinator with the Utah Housing Coalition. Uh, first uh, question this uh, this round uh, to you, Francisca Blanc. Uh, housing affordability, uh, I assume it's happening not just in Salt Lake County, uh, the, the problems in other areas in Utah. Uh,
1: yes, it's correct. And, you know, just for the listeners, uh, what we mean by affordable housing is that no one should pay more than 30% of their income on mortgage or rent plus utilities, and um, a lot of our low-income people are severely uh, burdened because of the cost of rent, but I would like to kind of extend the conversation on what Dr. Wood was, was mentioning, and yeah, anecdotally, uh, we have seen a lot of people move from uh, California to Utah, and those are the kind of professionals that can afford to work from home. And um, the biggest problem that we're seeing is that our essential workers, those are folks who have been living in Utah, our locals, uh, are people that work in fast food. Um, They are uh, retail salespersons or the customer service representatives, which this three um, occupations have probably the highest um, number of employment in Utah. All of these occupations are making less than $16.71 per hour, which is the one-bedroom housing wage. And that's kind of where our concern is that, um, yes, the economy is doing well, uh, better than other places in the country. Yes, unemployment is slow, but it will be, good that all of us are doing good so we are all doing great because in our perspective we all gonna do great if everybody's doing good Uh, and the people that I mentioned those people are struggling to really pay their rent um, and they are uh, the quality of life is really decreasing because all of the income goes to um, rent utilities you know, food, and um, they, could, they cannot take vacations, you know. They're lucky that they can have a weekend off. So I want to bring that up because this is, you know, the segment of our population that, um, you know, a lot of folks don't talk about. And, yes, they're low income and they work a full-time job and sometimes they probably work 60 hours a week and they cannot afford housing.
0: Yeah, you you make a good point. Um, you know, as housing prices, uh, rental prices increase, then increase the percentage of of the income, right? That that's going to that and that's going to affect all areas of their lives.
1: Yes, correctly. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, it's just it's a matter of the fact that the wages have not increased with the cost of living, uh, you know, probably um, for people in the tech industry. the You know, it's a, a sector that has been doing really well for a while. And even, you know, our teachers, our police officers, um, they're struggling. And all of our essential workers that we praised, um, you know, since the start of the pandemic, uh, people that work at the grocery store and the gas station, um, you know, they um, they don't have a really uh, a voice. And that's why, as an advocate, I feel oblig- obligated to speak on their behalf. And, you know, there are solutions to address housing, but it takes, um, you know, Funding for one, but it also takes um, the political will to do the right thing for our people.
0: Before we go to break, I want one more question for Francisca Blanc, and then uh, we'll uh, take a break and, and, of course, continue the conversation and move toward perhaps uh, you know, solutions. A lot of solutions being uh, proposed uh, and help. Uh, but Francisca Blanc, um, and again, this is anecdotal, but I've I've talked to uh, you know read about it, and I've talked to some folks in this situation. Uh, folks, and this in some ways predates this uh, current uh, hot housing market. Uh, folks who work in communities who can't afford to live there. Uh, one example is you know Park City. Uh, you know you have to have to live in Hebrew City. I, I uh, have an acquaintance of acquaintance, uh, anecdotally, a Utah Highway Patrolman. Um, who's assigned to that area, uh, can't afford now to live in Hebron City and has moved to Dushain. So this phenomenon, you, you hear about it in Moab, for example, as well. I wonder if you talk about that. Uh,
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, those uh, tourist uh, towns, they really struggle, and Moab is one of them, you know. Um, and the mayor uh, is trying to do everything she can uh, down there. But um, again, it takes a multi-partnership. So for example, a very popular restaurant in Moab is open only in the evening because they don't have staff. They cannot afford housing. You know, Park City is the same thing. You know, you look at the, you know, who works at the Smith and Kimball Junction and can they afford to live there? You know, affordable housing, um, the tax credit project, um they're a wonderful way to to provide housing in the community but we don't have enough of them and on top of that and dr wood can attest to this uh, the most difficult project to build is for people who make less than 30 percent of area median income and a lot of these folks are seniors um so i feel like they you know um Creativity and, and funding and, you know, the political will to do right, uh, it can it can be done. Um, you know, um, I know, for example, um, hotels also struggle to have staff because people cannot afford housing in those kind of touristic areas.
0: Well, let's take a break. We're overdue for one. Uh, we're talking about housing, a uh, white hot market here that creates affordability problems. Um, and, uh, and other uh, issues, and affects, of course, all areas of life. And we're talking about this issue with Christina Oliver, who's with the Utah Department of Workforce Services, Jim Wood with the Chem C. Gardner Institute, and Francisca Blanc with the Utah Housing Coalition. would love to hear your housing story. Uh, what's going on with you, and have you had difficulties? Um, what are some solutions you found? um upr access gmail.com is our email upr at gmail.com or you can call us at 800-826-1495 800-826-1495 and we'll have more following this break
4: support for utah public radio programming comes from our members and stokes nature center canyon jams presenting swinging lights september 3rd at 7 p.m located at von bear park in providence Information at logannature.org slash canyonjams. Support also comes from Salt Lake City Weekly, a Utah news source since 1984, covering news, politics, music, and more in Salt Lake City and beyond. Available weekly at 1,800 locations across the Wasatch Front or online at cityweekly.net.
2: Did you know that kindergartners can learn to code? Coding toys, which allow children to program simple sequences of light, sounds, or actions, are becoming more and more accessible to parents and educators. Research is ongoing to determine how these toys can enhance problem-solving skills and help foster early computational thinking. By studying the way kindergartners think and reason, researchers hope to evaluate the effectiveness of such toys so that educators can make more informed decisions about the toys they use in early childhood settings. This segment of Did You Know That has been brought to you by our members and the Emma Eccles-Jones College of Education and Human Services, committed to mentoring tomorrow's educators, researchers, and clinicians, located on campuses in Logan and 26 other sites throughout Utah.
0: Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking about housing in Utah today, affordable housing, uh, this crazy real estate market uh, that we're in, uh, in Utah, and uh, everything related. And uh, we're talking with Christina Oliver, Director of Housing and Community Development Division at the Utah Department of Workforce Services. Jim Wood, Ivory Boyer, Senior Fellow at the C. Gardner Institute. And Francisca Blanc, Advocacy and Outreach Coordinator with Utah Housing Coalition. I'd love to hear your housing story. 800-826-1495 or upraxcess at gmail.com. I want to start this segment with Jim Wood. Um... Uh, I'd like to have you uh, talk about it. This again is anecdotal, but it's a handful of friends uh, of mine. Um, more than one, but several have done the following. Um, sold their house. Uh, you know I guess the the idea is uh, you know sell at the top, right to sell it at, at a good premium price. And then they're renting for I guess a while and I think the plan is maybe to see how the the market shakes out and then perhaps buy at a lower price later. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this phenomenon and uh, what do you think about that?
3: Well uh, interesting approach Uh, but Tom I have my own housing story. We have three three generations in our household. I've got two great grandkids living with me as well as their mother so uh, due to uh, how high rental costs so um, yeah it's uh, i don't think anybody escapes this uh, you, you're going to know uh probably some family member that uh, that has difficulty with uh affordability just just let me I, I ran some numbers this morning looking at the at the first 6 months of uh this year uh, going back to 2015 um, through the second quarter actually it was the second quarter data for the Wasatch Front Counties, the four Wasatch Front Counties, and housing prices, last year, second quarter, for the four Wasatch Front Counties was 383000 That was the median sales price. This year, second quarter, median sales price is 500000 That's a 30% increase. That can't be sustained. It's really unhealthy, um, and it's... Uh, um, it, it's really um, excluding so many households from home ownership, which in the long run really does uh, affect, of course, uh, wealth inequality. Um, and the days on market last year for that for that second quarter, 14 days on market. Um, this year, second quarter, five days. Uh, that's the median days on market from when it was listed to when it went under contract. So um, it's just, uh, I don't know if there's, uh, 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 it's more than white hot, Tom. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, anyway, um, if you sell a house trying to find a, um, a, an affordable house, I think, uh, um, or a, a home that's comparable, um, in terms of quality location and so on is going to be very difficult uh... housing prices probably will moderate if you look at housing cycles that we've had in utah uh, over the since the nineteen seventies we've got about five housing cycles with the exception of the great recession when that was a very different market um, and uh... where housing prices went down um, for sixteen consecutive quarters uh, we've never had anything like that, and that was a very different time, and I, I don't think we are uh, uh, that's in store for us this time. What we have seen generally from housing cycles when uh, we have run-ups in housing prices, which, again, Utah has led the country more than once in housing price increases. Um, we did in the late 70s, again in the mid-90s. Um, we see moderation in housing prices over time. Um, for following that peak, uh, we'll have four or five years where housing prices decelerate. They don't decline, but they increase at a lower rate. And I expect uh, we're going to see some of that. I don't think prices are going to go down, but uh, 30% increase um, a year over for uh, the second quarter. Um, You know, that uh, can't hold for very long. There are constraints on housing prices. And, uh, um, you know, I I think uh, um, we're getting, I hope, I really hope we're getting near the apex or the peak and we'll see a deceleration in uh, housing price increases. And and the same with the rental market. Um, uh, The the rental market, just... uh, I know this is a a little bit of a digression uh, from your question, but uh, I've done a rental survey for uh, 20 years at the same time of year um, in the summer um, for uh, Salt Lake County and Utah counties, and uh, those numbers haven't been released yet, but um, it's the tightest housing market, uh, the rental market, um, in the 20 years I've been doing that survey. I was just shocked by how tight the rental market is. Um, so uh, it's very difficult to find. Um, uh, I think if you're selling a, uh, selling a home, um, you, you better, uh, uh, before you do that, um, have, a, have a line on where you're going to go and how much it's going to cost and, and uh, whether or not it's going to be suitable.
0: A follow-up question. You said uh, the prices tend to decelerate but not decrease. Uh, is that going to be the case, especially with rentals? Because of the high price, the problems we've outlined here, uh, is that what's going to happen?
3: Well, um, yeah, the deceleration, uh, I think we'll see that in, in housing prices in uh, ownership, home ownership, um, probably um, in the next, uh, I hope, in the next 12 months. Uh, maybe by the second quarter of, of uh, next year, uh, I, I, I would just, uh, I'd be uh, shocked and very worried if we have anything close to 30% uh, that we've had this this last um, year. Prior to that, we were under 10% every, for all second quarters, uh, the increase, uh, they were around 9 uh, seven, eight, nine percent, but then we have this just jump in 2021 that can't last. So, um, but on the on the rental side, <clears throat> I don't think there's much relief in sight, really, um, over the next 12 months. Um, even though we've got a lot of a lot of product coming on, particularly uh, Salt Lake County and Salt Lake City, um, Utah County as well. Um, it's uh, the, the vacancy rate still is going to be, I think, a year from now, still below uh, something like 4%, which would be the 11th consecutive year of the vacancy rate below 4%, and that puts pressure on housing prices um, on the rental rates, and, and I would expect um, that we probably will see um, a double-digit increase in rental rates next uh, next year, as we've seen this year.
0: Hmm. Let me turn back uh, to uh, Christina Oliver, Director of Housing and Community Development Division, the Utah Department of Workforce Services. I want to quote here from uh, Derek Miller, uh, President and CEO of the Salt Lake uh, Chamber of Commerce. Um, and he's talking about how the housing crisis, the housing situation affects uh, the workforce, and we've talked a little bit about this. I want to you can comment on this. Here's what Derek Miller says: uh, Insufficient and unattainable housing impacts businesses' ability to recruit and retain employees, affects the quality of life for our workforce, and limits our potential for economic growth. So th- this is, uh, is this is community wide.
2: Yeah, and as someone who had a lot of experience, I worked as a director of corporate recruitment under the Huntsman administration. I've seen both sides of the equation. And really, workforce housing, it's, not, it's termed affordable, but truly we're talking about our standard workforce is very unobtainable along the Wasatch Front, uh, unless you're uh, cost burdened. And when we say cost burdened, that means that your, your gross rent, including your utilities, your basic services at your house, exceed a certain threshold along the wasatch front uh, individuals making the 15 18 22 dollars an hour will be very uh, it's very difficult for them to uh, uh, realize any sort of apartments that's one two three bedrooms they probably have to share them it's very difficult to find a place a standalone single family residential unit or a townhome unit that someone can afford at those moderately uh, they're, they're not significantly low. Again, the minimum wage is seven twenty five. dollars 25 so uh, double the minimum wage, triple the minimum wage, you're still going to have an extremely difficult time along the West front to find uh, what used to be called the American dream, a standalone single-family residential home or or even purchasing a townhome or a condo, for that matter.
0: Um, I wonder if you... I'll, I'll uh, ask this question uh, also, Francisco Blanc, but I wonder, Kristen uh, Oliver, if you're seeing this phenomenon... Uh, the dr wood uh, mentioned uh, more people uh, you know i guess either moving back home or more folks squeezing into one rental uh, more more people living in in each unit
2: yes absolutely multi-generational housing has become more of the norm rather than the anomaly i don't think I've met anyone in the In the past six months that doesn't know or has at least someone else living in their home or has a friend whose parents have moved home with them. It's not just young kids moving in with their families. It's also fixed-income elderly individuals who are now at a place in their life where rent has become so expensive that they need to move in with their children in order to survive. So it is across the state. It is not just along the Wasatch Front. I don't want to exclude the other communities uh, down south to the east and to the west who are experiencing the same thing. do also want to touch on the fact that the cost of building homes is so much more expensive right now, that further increases the problems that our workforce is seeing because not only can they not afford existing apartments, but the ones that are coming online that are not entitled for affordable housing, meaning they're not income-restricted, are also unattainable.
0: Uh, Francisca Blanc, uh, the question to you as well, are, are you seeing this phenomenon, uh, more people squeezed into their uh, home or, uh, or a rental place?
1: Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. Absolutely. And um, you know, this is um, what Christina mentioned—the fact that parents are moving in with their children. Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, last year, um, a gentleman called me who was uh, living in a manufactured home um, park in Salt Lake City. Um, his social security was $900, and his lot rent was $750. So. Um, the folks from the Solano County Aging Services were able to connect him with his son, so he moved in with his son. And um, one thing that is just just the resident is living in in Solano County for over 25 years is that I, I this is not sustainable what is happening and. Um, I am uh, fearful what we might see in the next few months or next year. But at the same time, there are policy solutions out there. One of them, for example, uh, Representative Ward, during the past legislative session, uh, he sponsored a bill to allow uh, accessory dwelling units, known as ADUs, in residential areas. Um, so basically it there is a basement. And um, the incentive that um, he was able to get through the statute was that if a homeowner wants to have an ADU, uh, the basement of the house, um, they can apply for a loan through the Olin Walker Loan Fund, and then in exchange they have to have a long-term lease for somebody that is low income. So there are some solutions out there. And also, um, we, I think we have to think out of the box, uh, you know, I think the hotel, the, the tourism uh, industry, like hotels and restaurant industry, they can come together to figure out a way to provide housing for their people that work for them. So, um, the, it's just, again, I say the will has to be there. And I, I think I went off a little bit off of your question. But, um, yes, yes. Uh, I agree 100% with what Christina said about people moving with families or friends or more roommates living in, in one unit.
0: Uh, well, you've you've uh, you're moving us toward uh, what I want to do here in this last segment, which is solutions. Uh, so that's great. Uh, so let's take another break. When we come back, I want to focus on on solutions, um, and we'll talk more with Christina Oliver with Division of uh, Utah Department of Workforce Services, Jim Wood with the Kem C Gardner Institute, and Francisca Blanc with Utah Housing Coalition. We're talking about housing on the program today, and more following this break.
4: Support for Utah Public Radio comes from our members and Idaho National Laboratory, celebrating multiculturalism and science in August. INL recognizes the contributions our multicultural scientists make at the laboratory and in the community. More info on inclusive careers at INL.gov. Support also comes from Sunset Valley Mortuary, presenting a night like no other Veterans Benefit concert to raise mental health awareness. Bring a chair and enjoy music, food, and entertainment, August 27th at Elkridge Park in North Logan, from 6 to 9 p.m. Information available on Facebook slash Off Center Band. On the next Putumayo World Music Hour, we'll
3: trace the unmistakable tone of the blues from Africa to America and to Europe and South America, too. I'm Dan Storper.
1: And I'm Rosalie Howard. Join us for Blues Around the World, the next Putumayo World
2: Music Hour, Thursday night at ten on Utah Public Radio.
0: Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams, we have about ten minutes left in the program. We'll want to focus on solutions in this segment. We're talking about housing, housing affordability, uh, the white hot housing market and the problems that that uh, produces. And we're talking with Christina Oliver, Director of Housing and Community Development Division at the Utah Department of Workforce Services, Jim Wood, Ivory Boyer Senior Fellow at the Kem C. Gardner Institute, and Francisca Blanc, Advocacy and Outreach Coordinator with the Utah Housing Coalition. Let's begin this segment with an email from uh, Steve. Uh, Steve says, Tom describes the real estate market as white hot, and that seems to extend even to an out-of-the-way and not especially desirable community as Beaverdam, Arizona, which is between Mesquite, Nevada, and St. George. For example, the real estate website Movoto.com values a 2,500-square-foot, one-bedroom house on a nondescript lane in Beaverdam at $705,000. Steve adds an exclamation point uh, warranted there. Uh, again, Steve's words, I can't imagine such a house is really worth that much, but still that its on- online valuation is so high as an artifact of just how white hot this market is. That's from uh, Steve. Thanks for that, Steve. And uh, Dr. Wood, uh, it's, it's, it's right? <laughs> Dr. Wood said it's hotter than white hot, right? Dr. Wood said. So let's uh, start with Christina Boyer on this, on solutions. So uh, what, what, what can we do? What, what are some top things you would suggest?
2: Well, there are a number of things that we're looking at. Um, We have in the state of Utah a commission on housing affordability, and they've been looking at about 20-plus different um, opportunities to increase the affordable housing stock in the state of Utah. Those are being distilled down, but it ranges from uh, incentives to increased voucher programs to land use initiatives. There are a variety of different opportunities that are Really, uh, neighborhood and community specific. No one solution is going to solve the affordable uh, affordability problem in any one community. And knowing that, our our commission is looking at what opportunities can we provide to cities and towns to help them increase their affordable housing stock without over cost burdening the local government or the uh, developers which are are providing those homes.
0: Uh, Jim Wood, I know the Gardner Institute or the Gardner Institute was out with a report on some best practices, uh, some uh, solutions. Uh, maybe you can outline a few of those. Uh,
3: yes, uh, we published that um, almost a year ago. Um, uh, best practices um, for uh, housing affordability and 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 just. Uh, let me clarify on the term housing affordability uh... refers to um, all income groups and all prices in the housing market so housing affordability is a little bit different than or quite different than affordable housing affordable housing is generally sticks and bricks uh... we're talking about uh... uh units um, and um, yeah, the, we, we looked at uh, um, five different best practices, um, RDAs, uh, redevelopment agencies, uh, transit-oriented developments, um, and uh, ADUs that, that uh, Francisca mentioned, uh, preservation of existing housing. Uh, of affordable housing, and um, then zoning, which is really, that's at the local level. That's where we have an opportunity to really intervene. Um, You know, uh, local, state, and even the feds don't have much chance uh, in in turning a market, um, uh, at least in in the short term. Um, And so, uh, but locals do in terms of how they zone um, new um, developments, and uh, what they allow, the density they allow. And, you know, we're, um, so that's really important um, at the local level. But they have to be led, I think, uh, because they, uh, they respond to their local constituents. And uh, 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 the locals... Uh, Willed, um, and rightfully so, uh, that's their constituency, and they defer to the locals. So the locals really need to be led at the state, I think, or not led, but uh, the state needs to lead um, on this issue, um, and the state has gotten involved um, in the last three years, which is really commendable. Um Uh, As I said, I've I've worked on this issue for a long time, and this is really the first time we've had the state involved. We've got the business community with the Chamber and their Housing Gap Coalition. We've got the philanthropic community involved with uh, several foundations and the legislature and those advocates who have been banging this drum for the last 40 years. So we have a unified approach. Which is absolutely essential if we're going to make any real headway on this issue. Um, So uh, it really starts, I think, where we have the most potential is at the at, at the local level, but they have to be encouraged by the state. And there are a number of programs. And cities who have tried really some innovative things, particularly Salt Lake City is one. Uh, They've done a lot of innovative uh, uh, experiments um, trying to find uh, ways that are most effective. So it is really a difficult problem. And just uh, I'll close with the magnitude of the problem. In Utah right now, we have about 40,000 households who have incomes below 30% of the area median income. In Salt Lake County, that would be $25,000, okay? Uh, They're below 30% AMI, and they have a severe housing cost burden. That is, they're paying more than 50% of their income for housing, and they have no... Housing assistance. That's forty thousand households. That's the magnitude. That's the most uh, extreme and severe um, group, you know, in terms of vulnerability. And uh, forty thousand households. We're talking. um, That's about twelve percent, I think, of the uh, um, of the rental market. so it, it's well over 100,000 people in those households, and they're really um, many of them are on the edge of homelessness. It's a huge problem; it has to be addressed uh, across the board, as I mentioned. And also, the issue on the other side—it's not only the supply of housing, but it's also income. And Christina mentioned housing vouchers. That is instant. You know, it gives people. Uh, it, it it's tantamount to an increase in income. Um, so you have to look at both the income side as well as the housing supply. Uh,
0: we uh, I'll, uh, Before I go to uh, Francisca Blanc, who uh, looks like... Uh, due to time have the last word here um i uh, i do want to uh, get in this or at least uh, as much as we can of an email from glenn glenn says morning i've never been able to completely square the idea of subsidies a little background i grew up in the 80s an era of free government cheese farm subsidies farm aid etc there were dairy farm buyouts buzzwords on the evening news concerned agriculture was something to the effect of save the family farm The result was more farm subsidies, government purchases of farm commodities for distribution to the less well-off and government buyouts. Many farms did go out of business, yet the land was picked up by other farms, which were likely uh, more efficient. The net result was no real reduction in production volumes and government guarantee of a subsidy and incentive to keep producing. Supply and demand was, is temporarily subverted, and proverbial can was kicked further down the road. That isn't to say that the current rent relief is wrong, but paying rent relief and subsidizing investors and landlords is essentially doing the same thing. If we can intervene in supply and demand at the demand level, why can't we also intervene at the supply level? Rent control Subsidized housing and other regulatory incentives and inventions have worked elsewhere, especially in New York City. We seem to be quite inefficient in Utah in putting these types of alternative actions into play. It also seems like the last alternative any business is willing to take is to raise wages, which is where a good many of the rent concerns and other issues discussed today originate. There really needs to be some serious introspection within boardrooms, community development commissions, and chambers of commerce about uh, uh, tacitly demanding that the government subsidize businesses propensity to seek the absolute lowest wage possible through welfare, SNAP, rent help, health care, etc. Call it corporate welfare, subsidies, or whatever. And he signs it, Wall. MBA. Thanks for that, uh, Glenn. Um, Let's see. We have another uh, email here. Let me get this in the short one. Uh, Todd says, the housing crisis in Utah is something that's on my mind, often as a young homeowner, contractor, and son of a realtor. I'm just wondering what would be the best ways for me to get involved with this issue? Are there organizations that are looking for volunteers for advocacy? Should I go directly to my city counselor? Or is there some other way uh, that I should get involved? That's a great, uh, that's a great uh, question to throw to Francisca uh, with the Utah Housing Coalition. How can uh, Todd get involved?
1: Well, uh, actually, contacting with the elected officials at the local level, at the city level, is the first thing to do. But I also encourage Todd to get in touch with his uh, his state elected officials, with the House representative and the state senator, because that's probably the most uh, important connection to make. Um, And as far as advocacy, um, you know, for anyone who cares about this issue, uh, you know, we have on our website, the UtahHousing.org, we have a number of research and reports People can and, and read and kind of get educated themselves about the different issues and, uh, you know, talk with your neighbor, talk with your colleagues, talk with your friends, and start making those connections at the city level or the county level and the state level. Um, that's what advocacy is.
0: We just have about a minute left, uh, Francisco Blanc. Um, maybe a good thing here at the end, uh, what, uh, where can people turn for help?
1: Well, so uh, if somebody is struggling to pay rent uh, due to COVID, there is rentrelief.utah.gov. And on the same website, uh, people can find contacts for the nine different community action agencies in the state. They do provide other forms of rental assistance um, and also emergency uh, assistance for people who are facing homelessness. And, um, I will also urge people who are struggling to get in touch with their state elected officials to kind of let them know what's the situation and um, ask them to work together to to find a solution to
0: this. Uh, Just 30 seconds, Christina Oliver, uh, anything you'd like to say on on connecting people to services?
2: Yes, absolutely. To uh, piggyback on what Francisco just said, also, you can dial 211 and that will provide you an operator who can direct you to different resources throughout the state. And I would encourage everyone to contact your city officials. The boots on the ground, the planning commissions, and the city councils are really going to be of great force in your community. They're the ones making the zoning decisions. And they are the ones that you can work with to enable their zoning decisions to provide more affordable housing in certain areas within your community.
0: Well, thanks everyone very much. Uh, Today we're at the end of the program. Christina Oliver is Director of the Housing Community Development Division in the Utah Department of Workforce Services. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Uh, Jim Wood, Ivory Boyer Senior Fellow at Chem C. Gardner Institute, has joined us. Thank you.
3: Thank you. My pleasure.
0: And Francisca Blanc, Advocacy and Outreach Coordinator with Utah Housing Coalition, has joined us. Thank you to you.
1: Oh, Thank you for this opportunity. This was a great interview.
0: And thanks everyone for listening to Access Utah today.
2: You're listening to Utah Public Radio, statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price. KUSU FM Logan, also heard at UPR.org.